You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. For today, as it's a serious break, I want to talk on something on Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn it to Philippians chapter 2? And for today, we'll be talking primarily about church community. We'll be looking at Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles with you, I'll be reading mainly from verses 1 to 8. Again, Philippians 2 verses 1 to 8. It says here, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy coming, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We are in Philippians chapter 2 for our series break. A bit of context in the book of Philippians. Many of you might know this if you've ever re you read through this book. This is Paul's letter being written while he is in prison. In the New Testament, there are several letters Paul wrote while he was in prison. And Philippians is one of them. And what's interesting is that while he was in prison, Paul was writing a letter of encouragement to the Philippian church. So imagine, napisusha, naga encourages sa people, the church in Philippi, the Philippians. And part of what he's saying to them in this letter contains what we're going to talk about here today, of course. And that is a call for the church to be united. Let me just read Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, by having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. One of his many instructions to the Philippian church. Okay, complete my joy. He's already rejoicing, but if there's a cherry on top of it to complete his joy, do this, be of the same mind, have the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, what is Paul trying to get at here? What is he trying to say? Well, basically, if you look at all these words, pa-ulit-ulit, pa-usuposo, but basically one thing na ginakaskate niya, that he wants the church, the Philippian church in this context, to be united, to have the same mind, to be of one accord. When you say one accord, it means to be on one accord, it communicates being one in heart and mind, it means when a group of people acts single-mindedly, unanimously, in harmony and unity, and without any dissent, they're operating in one accord. So basically, Paul here is giving us a picture of an ideal Christian community. A group of people harmoniously working and living together, being of the same mind. If you read the Bible, so you would know how important the unity of the church is. You know, repeat the Bible. I'm preaching this to us today as an important reminder that as a church, the responsibility to fight for the unity of the church falls on all of us. To fight for the unity of the church includes all of us. And we would see in the Bible that very much important ang unity of the church. In fact, one of the illustrations the Bible talks about or compares the church to, the church is like a body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 13, it says here, the human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Paul here, again, 
writes this, another church, the Corinthians, compares the church to a body. And if you know your basic biology, correct me na lang, mga medical people, ba? for the body to function, for the body to work well, the organs have to be what? Working harmoniously. But okay ang pag-works of functions sa, sa body. Dili pwede magbuot ang heart nga, okay, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to beat, mayon ang lungs, na ang bato na ako, I'm going to inhale, exhale at a certain time, different nga, bahala mo, kamoy adapt, rest of the body. Or ang brain, magbuot-buot siya or whatever. The, rest, the body has to work harmoniously for the body to function. The organs have to work harmoniously rather. And so it gives us the picture of the importance of unity in the church. And again, Paul drives it home by repeating it time and again in that one line. Where he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So in this line alone, church, I want us to understand the importance, okay, all of us to get the importance, that unity in the church is important. Now, why am I saying this? Why am I keep pounding and saying, ano man importante ang unity sa church? Okay, gets ko tom. Because just like any relationship that we might have, any groups of people, workmates, classmates, family, kabarkada nato, with any groups of people, there will be conflict. Whenever you talk about relationships, there will be conflict, isn't it? Kasi din nag-away na sa inyong mga iksuan before. Anyone? You fought over the remote before, you fought over food, over the TV or something. You fought with your parents, you fought with your classmates, you fought with your friends. We've all had arguments, conflict with our relationships, right? It's impossible to say, ah, you know Tom, I've never had any fight with my siblings. Impossible. May tabo na ang only child ang tao. You give me an example of any relationship, there will be conflict. There will be fights and disagreements. Why? Because we're different. Kind of different backgrounds, because of our sinful nature and all of that, there will be conflict. And yes, there will be conflict, but the important thing here is how we respond when conflict happens. Are we making every effort to keep the unity in our relationships, in the church? Or are we doing things that hinders unity from happening? Are we doing things that will break or destroy our relationships? And as people of God, it's imperative for us to understand that if there's a group of people who values relationships, who champions relationships, who values people, that should be us, the church. The Bible says that this is how people will know that you are my disciples, by how you love one another. People will know and really agree that you are who you claim to be. You're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, not by how much doctrine and physical knowledge you know, although those things are good, don't get me wrong, but by how we love one another. How do you treat your parents? How do you treat your friends, your classmates, your workmates, your family members, your fellow churchmates? Do you treat them with love? Do you honor them? Or wala? Do we disregard relationships? If you read through your Bible church, you would know time and time again, ginabalik and importance of relationships. And the same thing here. I mean, look at this one example of the early church. Acts 2, verse 44 to 47. And all who believe, this is talking about new believers who heard the preaching of Peter at Pentecost. The, those 3,000 people, they're added to the church. And after that, it says here, all who believe were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people. What do you see there when you read through those verses? You see there a group of people, a church that is united, living together, helping one another, loving each other, caring for one another. Can you imagine selling your possessions, belongings, 
and distributing ang proceeds, ang na-earn ato, to help those in need. They would break bread together in their homes. They would spend time together, worship together. The early church valued the relationships with one another. Again, when we talk about church, we're not talking about the service. We're not talking about 10 a.m., 5 p.m. service or this church building alone. Church means the gathering, the people. We are the church. We don't just go to the church. We go to a church service. We go to a church building. But as people of God, we are the church. And as people of God's church, do we value one another? Do we care for one another? Do we love one another? Because if in the first line, Paul pounds the point of the importance of the unity in the church, the question now is how do we become united? How do we fight for that unity in the church? What do we need to do? How do we, as Paul says in his letter, complete his joy by being of that same mind, same accord? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, Paul has this instruction for them. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, that each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. For us to learn how to, to fight for unity, take care of relationships, we need to learn first the opposite. What should we not do? And here, it says here, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Very much to summarize Paul's point here is that the quickest way to destroy unity, to destroy our relationships, is simply to be selfish. What do you mean by that? You see, selfish ambition here means motivation to elevate oneself or put one's own interests above others. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong about having dreams, having ambitions. I'm not saying that believe anything. But there's a difference between that and selfish ambition. When you put yourself above others at all times, it's all about you. And vain conceit naman, or conceit is excessive pride or self-esteem that has no foundation in reality. Tagalog pa, masyadong believe sa sarili. Believe ka sa kaugalingon. You think you're so good, you're so smart, you're the best. Even when in reality, objectively, you're not all that. So Paul says, avoid these two things. Selfish ambition, vain conceit. Why? Because again, these two things, which boils down to selfishness, boils down to just focusing on yourself primarily, will destroy the unity in the church and will destroy our relationships. Again, to qualify, I'm not saying that we don't take care of ourselves. I'm not saying that you completely neglect yourself. That's not the point here. What I'm trying to point or what I'm trying to drive here is that we should not be consumed about ourselves only. We should not be consumed about our wants and our needs only, forgetting all others, thinking only of ourselves and what we will get and what we will achieve. Because again, as a church, we're part of a community. I mean, think about this. Imagine you're part of a family. You're part of a group. But in your family, you take care for one another. family member, or bahala mo mga anak. Basta ako, I want the promotion. I want to do this. Bahala mo. The family works together. Vain conceit, selfish ambition will destroy that family. The same thing in the church. The same thing with all our relationships. Not just that. But after that, Paul says, in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Again, I'm not saying that we neglect ourselves or we look down on ourselves. That's not Paul's point here. Paul is saying here, 
is rather that as Christians, we are to love others above our selfish ambition. We are to, you know, prioritize others. We are to care for one another. And Paul drives home that point when he completes the thought rather in verse 4 when he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In verse 3, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. So meaning, diliga consume sa self lang. Okay? Consider others or count others more significant than yourselves. Think about the other people. And he drives home it further by saying, look not just to your own interests, don't be consumed with yourselves, your own needs, your own wants, but also to the interests of others. other people, And it's an important church because in the history, in church history, if there's a group of people that, you know, other people, non-Christians would associate someone who is compassionate, someone who is caring, someone who cares for the poor, someone who cares for other people, the outcasts, the orphans, all these people, Historically, it is the Christians. What I'm saying is, dili common sa ilang panahon, sa early times, sa times of the Romans and all of that, ang compassion to the extent of caring for the widows, caring for the poor, caring for those who are sick, caring for the orphans, all these people, those who were radical in compassion, in their mercy, in helping one another, those were the Christians. In fact, in their time, their culture, sa ancient times, ipakita nila, uy, grabe ka compassionate, grabe ka caring ka, they would think Christiano ka. And you see in history, human history rather as well, that Christians throughout the history have built what? Many schools, hospitals, orphanages, all of these institutions to help other people. My point in driving all these things is, is that as a church, we ought to be compassionate and caring for other people. We are to care for each other's interests. Yes, it's important to pray for our needs. I'm not saying don't pray for your needs, pray for your needs. Then we're going to pray for, then we're going to seek the Lord. By all means, continue to do so. But what about other people? When was the last time you prayed for someone? When was the last time you interceded for someone? When was the last time you asked someone, Kumusta sila? In the church. How are you? How are you doing? How is your family? How is your work? Kumusta na? When was the last time you catch up a person? To care for one another in the church is not limited for the full-time staff, the tenured volunteers, as a ministry, it is for everyone in the church. If you consider this local church, to be your local church, it falls on all of us the responsibility to take care of one another as one big spiritual family, as a church community. Yes, of course, we will do our part as ministers, staff, but it's for all of us as well. Let's take care of one another. What are we doing, church? What are we doing to show care to the other people? Not just asking how they are, but what are we doing? Are we celebrating with them? Celebrating milestones in the church? Because again, the church is not merely a one-hour, one-hour plus thing that happens on a Sunday. The church is not just a service. It's not even an event. The church is a gathering of God's people. In other words, church people, we can meet with each other in any day of the week, not just on a Sundays. And hope and I pray that we make time for one another, to show care for one another, to value one another. Just to clarify as well, when we think about showing care for each other, I'm not saying that ang gossip, Anna. Okay, let me just segue a little bit. Another thing that will greatly destroy the unity of the church is gossip. 
It's not showing care. It's not helping each other. It's not showing love to another. When we gossip, when we gossip with other people, if you're not part of the solution, if you're not part of the whole thing that's happening, do not gossip. If you want to destroy this church, if you want to destroy relationships, apart from being selfish as well, the quickest way to do that is to gossip. And so if you value our relationships, let us not gossip. Stop gossiping. If you come across someone, gossip, you get to hear it, tell that person to stop. If you're someone who used to gossip, stop. Do not gossip in the church. Because again, we value relationships in the church. Now Paul says as well, have in verse, chapter 2, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now as we were looking at it, you know, do nothing out of selfish ambition, not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. When you look at it, it sounds difficult, probably. You know, when you look at it, parang, you know, by our sinful nature, oftentimes, we would just think about ourselves. We would think about our own needs. We will go back to default. How do we live a lifestyle to fight for the need of the church by caring for each other and not be consumed about ourselves? How do we do so? Well, Paul gives us this great example that would humble us and greatly enable us to care for one another. And this is what he wrote. He says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In verse 6, he gives us basically Christ example of humility, which all of us here today, as believers of Christ, benefit from. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8 says here, Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So Paul here now shifts gears, okay? He says, all right, commit my joy, Philippian church. We have the same mind, same accord, work harmoniously. You know, much like a, a music band. They do things different. Each one has a, has a specific role, each one does something different, but they have to work harmoniously for the music to sound good. But they work harmoniously. They have the same mind, same accord. And how do you do that? Don't do selfish ambition. Avoid vain conceit. Look to the cares of each other. Consider one another. And then, you know, he talks about Jesus. See, Paul, after talking about these things, shifts gears, starts talking about Jesus. And he says, gives a background again. Who then? Okay, see, Jesus, he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Remember, Jesus is God. He's 100% God. I know all of us here today know that. And point ni Paul is that if there was someone who deserves all the worship, the praise, you know, who kumpone siya mag ambition and dili siya guilty of doing any selfish ambition and who's deserving of that, that's Jesus. He is God. He deserves all the praise, all the glory. Jesus is God. What's amazing here is that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus was not proud. In fact, in verse 7, it says here, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So imagine this. Jesus came into this world with every right that every knee should bow down, everyone should worship him, could just demand everything from us and we all need to you know, submit to him. He is God. He's worthy of that. And yet, here is Jesus. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. What did Jesus do? He gave up his divine privileges, made himself nothing. When I say emptying, it doesn't mean he was less God. He was still 100% God. But he took on the form of a servant being 100% man as well. 
And being, being found in human form, in verse 8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Why did he do all these things? Why was he obedient to the will of the Father? Who benefited from that? You and me. For all of us here today, who are Christians, believers of Christ, we benefit from that. And why am I sharing these things? Why am I talking about Jesus when I'm talking about the humility of Christ? Because think about this. See, Jesus, being God, he could have just, you know, not cared about us. He could have just left us and said, all right, you're dead in your sin. You are in need of a Savior, but you don't deserve being saved. Remember, we don't deserve being saved. We don't deserve having a Savior come down here in this world and rescue us and save us from the consequences of, consequence of our sin. We didn't deserve Christ coming in this world and being crucified and you know, dying on the cross for our sins. We did not earn or deserve that. And yet, by the grace of God, He indeed you know, came to this world, died on the cross for our sins. When you go back to verse 3 and 4, what? He cared about our interests. He cared about us. But he cared about us. And as recipients of his mercy and grace, what happens to us? We are recipients of what? His salvation. Forgiveness of our sins. Being part of the family of God. All of these great blessings and all these good things, we are recipients because of what Christ did for us. In other words, if Jesus did this for us, we are undeserving, unworthy, we get all of these things, these benefits, all these blessings, how can we not show care and love to other people? If kitanga dili worthy, and we are recipients of the greatest act of love and mercy and grace ever, how can we not show care, look to the concerns and interests of others? How can we not count others more significant than ourselves? How can we not Value our relationships. By understanding our salvation church, we can live in unity with other believers and love them in Christ. This is how important Christ's sacrifice or Christ's death on the cross is for us. The more we understand our salvation, the more we think about what Christ did for us on the cross, the more what? It empowers us to love one another. Because if you think about it, like, Lord, grave. Undeserving ko ani sa imong gibuhat. Undeserving ko sa imong sacrifice. And so how can we not once again show love to one another? That is why the Bible says, this is how people will know that you are my disciples. By how you love one another. Church, how we love each other, how we love our friends, family, our fellow churchmates, is merely what? A result, an outflow, how much we understand God's love for us. The more we understand, the more we dwell on and contemplate and be immersed and filled by the love of God, it will naturally result in us being loving to one another. And again, it doesn't matter what your personality is. Being loving doesn't mean para nas mga extrovert. I love you guys, express their feelings, whatever your personality. You can be the most introvert, shy person in the world and still be loving to other people and still show value and care to those around you. It doesn't matter what your background, your lineage is, whatever. The point is, as a follower, as part of God's family, as a Christian, we are to be loving to other people. We are to show love and care to other people. Paul then gives, in Ephesians chapter 2, 
two examples. I'm going to focus on just one of these, okay? just one, one example of another person who exemplified that considering others and valuing other people over their own selves. That is this guy named Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Because we might say, all right, good for Jesus. He did this for us. What about a normal person? What this other person to show love and care for one another? Well, look at this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. So receive him in, in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Paul says, honor him. Why man? What did Paul tell, tell the Philippian church? Honor this guy. Receive him with joy. Why? He says here in verse 30, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus basically much cared for Paul, helped Paul, and he nearly died okay, doing all of these things. Meaning he put, you know, the work of the Lord, he put the church, okay, he put the needs of others ahead of himself. And Paul in turn honored him as well by telling the Philippian church, receive this guy with all joy and honor him. There's an exchange of honoring with each other. So I want to admonish each and every one of us here today, church. What are we doing to honor each other? How are you building up one another in the church? What are we doing to encourage one another? Kabaluba, ang kaubo natin sa church, na kung wala sila, build up sila. Encourage ang pangalan, humut ang pangalan nila to those around you. Or are we bringing each other down? I know, as friends, we make jokes with one another and all of these things. But are there moments as well that we build up one another? We encourage each other. Have you, you know, had those moments with your fellow church, you know, friends in the church? When you build up and encourage each other. Again, just to summarize all of these things. In Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, when Paul started this letter in chapter 2, he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. And Paul says in verse 2, complete my joy, same accord, same mind, all these things. The point why I'm saying verse 1 is this. As I mentioned this a while ago, when we truly see how much Christ has done for us and understand the fullness of His love, pride and selfishness will melt away and our love and unity for one another will all the more, you know, thrive, basically. Here's the thing. It says here that if there's encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, meaning if we are in Christ, that is natural for us to fight for the unity of the church, to try and be of the same mind, to not be conceited, to not be selfishly ambitious, and to love for one another. In other words, once again, for any of us here today, if we are in Christ, we are believers of Christ, Natural ramugawa sa toa ang to show love and care for one another. And as I mentioned a while ago, it is through understanding of our salvation that we can live in unity with other believers and love them in Christ. If we like, man, I haven't been a blessing as much to those around me. You know, I need to be, I feel like, you know, there's some areas in my life that I need to show love to other people. Dwell or look back at what Christ did for you. By understanding our salvation, understanding what Christ did for us, it enables us to be loving to one another. 
And as I end, I want to say this as well. And this is for everyone. As we try to fight for the unity and loving each other, make every effort to fight for the unity of the church. I want to admonish, admonish each and every one of us here today. Make every effort. If we're not doing that, that means we're doing the opposite. We're doing something that is hindering relationships from thriving, damaging relationships, hurting others, offending others, or causing bitterness or unforgiveness or offense to happen. But if we make every effort for the unity of the church, then we're valuing relationships, loving one another, settling arguments, conflicts, forgiving one another, settling offenses, settling bitterness. Make every effort. I want to throw this last question to all of us here today. What are we doing, church, to make that effort to fight for the unity of the church? Because we all have a role to play to do so. We all have a role to play. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.